0: Squared Circle Radio, with your main eventers, Jason Martin and
1: Brandon Hageny. What's up, guys and gals of Squared Circle Radio? We do still exist, contrary to popular belief. (laughs) We're on a monthly schedule, it seems like, right now. Hopefully, I mean, alright, so Brandon Hageny's with me. He's out in New Mexico, of course. I'm Jason Martin. David Reed uh, is hopefully convalescing after that video that he showed us, Brandon, that it took me it took me and my wife like two or three times to figure out. We still didn't really know what was going on until he told us. But it just looked like another calamity. He's he's had some bum luck for the last handful of years, has that guy, especially physically.
0: Yeah, he's he sent us that video and it kinda I watched it a few times and I had to actually ask him, like, yeah. what am I looking at? Here? It looked like he was what running out the door. Like it looks like he straight up like took a bump, like he dove. Like it yeah. was a tope suicida out of the front door.
1: So I don't want to give this too much credence, but I do want to say one thing real quickly. And then we we, we have a lot of really cool stuff to talk about, I think, in terms of the the pro wrestling industry right now. We would love to do this show more often than we have over the past couple of months, but there have been some unique challenges. Like, I mean, Brandon, you asked me a couple weeks ago, can you tape this week? Can you tape blah, blah, blah? And, of course, I went to Florida with my wife for Valentine's, and uh, I was phoning in for Clay, and schedules are tough, and all this kind of stuff. But It's like, you moved to New Mexico, David's dad had some health issues and then unfortunately, tragically, you know, passed away. Um, he's had some health concerns. I got married. Like, there was a lot of upheaval here. Right. It's not that we've just decided to cancel the show because we don't want to do it anymore. It's a matter of finding the time and finding the right era. I don't have a studio in my house, so we have to have space in a building with the equipment in order to do it properly. Maybe that will change. I would love to have a studio in my house, believe you me. It would be awesome if I didn't have to go into a studio at 2 in the morning to do that Fox show on Sundays. I'd love to be able to walk upstairs and put on headphones and do it. It's just not as easy as people think. Um, and And look, those of you that would like to hear this show more often and tell us so, first off, we appreciate that. Thank you. I'm glad that you care enough about the show and that you've missed it because it hasn't been around as much. But this is not some grand plan for us to stop doing the show. We went to Brad... Before he left, and said, Because of the changes, because of you moving, Brandon, with everything that was going on, it would be easier for us to do it as a podcast because we could not worry about time constraints and maybe not do it weekly, but be able to cover more stuff in the episodes that we did. So we thought it through. We tried to figure it out. And then there's this other little thing that I don't know that everybody understands, and that is uh, we've never gotten paid to do this show.
0: Never took a penny.
1: Not a cent. We do this show because we want to do it. And we do it because we enjoy interacting with you guys. This is not enriching us. We're doing this pretty much because we want to do it. And we've done it for a long, long time. and We're going to continue to do it. And maybe we can find a way where we can do it every week or every two weeks. But it might be a little bit of a delay. And we're still trying to work through the changes and all this. I mean, David hadn't been on one of these yet. One of these versions of this just because everything that has been going on in his life. There's just, life has gotten in the way, but we appreciate everybody that still wants us to do this, and even those that have been pretty passionate in terms of us not doing it, we appreciate that. It's nice to be wanted. It really is. And so we're going to try to give you the best that we can when we can do it, and maybe make it more regular as things start to make a little bit more sense, and we get our sea legs underneath this and figure out what this new configuration is actually going to look like. That's I think I think I can speak for the three of us and say that that's pretty accurate.
0: No, that's pretty much it. And I mean, you know, right now because of David's personal life, um, he's away from the show, so it's just the two the two of us. And like we kind of live, we we have different schedules. You and I, like I am. One, 18 and a half hours away yeah. in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm also on a time difference. Uh, I am in mountain time, you're in central time. I work a 9 to 5 job, so it's not like you can come into the studio before your show because I'm not off work yet. Right. It's just it's ve- it's become very difficult to kind of like even more so than it used to be when we were having to show up on Saturday or even do the show live on Sundays like it's even more difficult now to coordinate schedules
1: than it was then but we're still trying and we're still trying to figure out the best ways to do it so anyway let's talk about pro wrestling and i thought it'd be interesting if we talked about it in order of what we're most excited about right now and i don't know about you but all elite wrestling's red hot to me right now like i am super excited about their product i'm super excited about what i'm seeing every week pretty much since that episode that ended with the dark order which was the last episode, the one against Rhea Ripley's title win against Shayna Baszler, the last one of last year, AEW's been on fire. Like I I think these have been hellaciously entertaining wrestling shows. Now, there's still a couple of little things here and there that I don't love, but that's going to be true of any organization. I just feel like they're firing on all cylinders, and they're doing a really nice job of creating stars and making me care about people that I never would have thought I would have cared about three or four months ago.
0: Yeah, you think about it like they're they're hitting on about three or four different angles right now, which is for a a television program that's only on two hours a week, that is a pretty high hit rate. I mean, Moxley and Jericho on fire. I mean, Cody Rhodes is the best babyface in wrestling right now, and he's got a great dance partner in MJF, and everything that they've done over the last three or four weeks has been pitch perfect. Uh, I mean, I'm really excited for the PAC and Kenny Omega 30-minute Iron Man match. The story that they're telling with Hangman Page and Omega uh, against the Young Bucks, like, that's got a lot of intrigue. Like, they are hitting on about three or four different levels right now, and that is more than you can say for a Raw or a SmackDown, especially
1: SmackDown. Yeah, no, no question about that, and we will talk about them when we get down to a little bit of the negativity, I'm afraid, but, and there's some positive stuff there, too, but, like, even outside of just, I mean, Jericho and Moxley I'm excited about. Cody and MJF has been just as good as we thought it was going to be. The strapping was excellent. Uh, the cage match with Wardlow, that cage was terrifying in its height. Why was that so tall, man? I, when I saw it and then I saw Cody climb and I'm like, oh, no. You notice he got off that cage with a quickness. Like, he oh, got that- up there. He did not stop to think. He knew if I stop to think, it's going to make it worse. He just went up and came off that thing.
0: He uh he actually did an interview yeah. I think a few days after that aired and he said, Look, I'm terrified of heights, so that's why you didn't see any hesitation, you didn't see any playing to the crowd, because I just wanted I wanted to get it over with.
1: Yeah, and he did. And Wardlow in his first match that I've ever seen him in, yeah, he's green, but he looked good. Cody yeah. sold like crazy for him. He kept it pretty basic outside of the senton off the top rope. Um but he looked like a monster. And I would say this past week's AEW, which I was super psyched about because of the cage match, that whole show was really good. Um, Jeff Cobb, who, you know, we don't know he he kinda likes his freedom, he wants to be able to work with New Japan. I'm sure he's probably fielding multiple offers, especially as a result of his appearance last week. I know Cody wants him, I know AEW wants him. I figure they will eventually get him. But to bring like- him in as a higher gun was not not an uncool decision. It's exactly the kind of thing WWE would never do, but AEW can exist in that space where they can bring him in for a couple of dates, use him, and Jeff Cobb's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's he is a great talent, man. Like that dude He reminds me, he's like their Samoa Joe. That's kind of how I see him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that. He's he's also and having Taz on the call yes. for that match when a lot of Jeff Cobb's offense is sort of suplex, suplex based. And that's what Taz obviously did during his in-ring career. I thought that just added to that moment. Uh, I think I want to say it was Fightful and uh, Sean Ross Sapp that reported that uh, AEW had offered Jeff Cobb a contract that allowed him basically the Chris Jericho, John Moxley contract where he could also work at New Japan. Uh, so, I mean, right now he's a free agent. Still working dates for Ring of Otter, Still, obviously working dates for New Japan. But hopefully he gets brought into the fold.
1: Yeah, he's he's good. I thought he and Moxley had a really fun match. Um, he did what he needed to do. It's like he didn't come in to win the match. He came in to beat up John Moxley. Right. He came up. He came in to soften up John Moxley to make it easier for Chris Jericho. He was a very definition of a hired gun. But you think about even the secondary level stuff here. Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, that's been built, and I didn't see it coming, but they did the skateboard deal where they you know dropped Darby on his throat, and Sammy was the one that did it. And then they had Darby do those two weeks of one with the flamethrower with the Guevara and Jericho standee, and then the second one using the sign gimmick, and then he used the sign gimmick again, and now they're going to work at the pay-per-view this weekend. One, that match ought to be good, even though Sammy's got a bum foot. They kind of kept him out of action this past week, but he's going to do the match. Two, both those two guys have been booked to be important. Like Guevara can take a beating forever, and people will enjoy it. They like watching him take a beating. The super kick that he ate from oh God. Was Matt, it Matt or Nick Jackson. It was, Matt. it was Matt. Yeah, I guess it was late in the match. That was one of the best-looking super kick. just did. I don't know how you do that without just destroying yourself, but that thing, I don't know that I've ever seen something that just – from a super kick that left me just shocked at how effective it was. But we've discussed before how, you know, even David Reed, who you wouldn't think would be a Darby Allen fan, really liked Darby Allen. Darby Allen's a star. Like Darby Allen, when he came back last week when the lights went out and his music played and he came out, that was a huge ovation that that dude, came, that, 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 that dude got when he came out to try and help out Moxley. He's, he's become something real quick. And you're looking at a lot of other organizations around this country in particular that are having problems creating new stars that really move the needle. And AEW seems to be creating them week after week after week. I mean, you look at Jungle Boy, and you look at Darby Allen, and you look at Sammy Guevara, and you even look at like Santana and Ortiz. Like, there's just there's a lot going right. They've even got a sideline feud. Brandon, they made a tag team battle royal. Not just good, but they ran like five angles out of that that they can then use to book with for the future. Like everything had a purpose on that show.
0: And going back to that tag team battle Royal, like how many times have we seen sort of just a throwaway battle Royal on an episode of raw? That's just like there to fill time. Like it's not very interesting. And when I see, when I see a battle Royal, that's not the Royal rumble, I usually sort of just groan and roll my eyes because I know it's not going to be very good. And AEW did a great job. And I think the, the, the stipulation with having to have both members of the tag team eliminated, uh, created some great drama. Obviously, Matt Jackson got his super Cena moment by eliminating like four dudes when it after Nick got eliminated. You but, knew it was going to happen, though. Right. I mean, that's the story they were telling. I mean, they, they, they've been building to the Young Bucks versus Hangman and Omega, and I'm really looking forward to that match because I think they're telling a great story there as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I think they've come to a place where they wanted to turn Adam Page heel, and then they made him popular the fans got behind that beer drinking angle and i think they might have gone down an alcoholism route and maybe they pivot now to more of a steve austin route where steve austin drank beer but it never affected you know right. his performance it was just part of like his celebratory mode maybe they do the alcoholism thing and maybe they still try to turn adam page but i don't i would indicate that's not something i would do right now it, whatever it is that they were planning on doing i don't think they thought that this was going to get hangman over as a baby face and it seems like it pretty much has in my opinion
0: no i think you're right and for the most part though like aew has demonstrated flexibility so far like yes like the nightmare collective was awful at least they got rid of it but aew realized that and got rid of it like the dark order did not have a great start but i think they've sort of maybe swerved a couple, you know, turned Oh, well, they've it.
1: created... They've, I think they've created intrigue about who the... What is it? Supreme, exalted one? Exalted one is going to be. Even with paying Raven to show up and sit in the seats during that segment last week just to be another potential MacGuffin. Like, yeah, it could turn out to be Raven. I don't think it will. No. But... It would, I mean, it's just a cool visual. I mean, they're they're setting this up for it to be Christopher Daniels, but they're telegraphing it so much. Originally, I assume people know this, but originally it was going to be Marty Scurll, and then he said, I'm not coming to AEW. Uh, Ring of Honor paid him, and he decided that he wasn't going to do it. But it was set. The whole angle was set up for Marty Scurll to be the leader of it. I don't think it's going to be Christopher Daniels, but even if it was, at least there's logic behind it. Like, sometimes the most predictable thing or the most obvious thing might be the right thing, and Christopher Daniels playing the Fallen Angel character and getting away from what I think is kind of a bum, a bum character group faction. SCU. Not that I don't like all those guys, I just don't know what that angle really is supposed to be. Like I don't know what they, what they stand for, what they mean. They're just kind of there. So doing more with Christopher Daniels from a character standpoint, where I think he's always excelled, wouldn't be a bad thing, but. Them kind of playing around, bringing in Jeff Cobb even though he's not signed, paying Raven, who probably already lives. I-, I think Alvarez said, Brian Alvarez said, you know he lives in Atlanta. He'd probably just show up, just pay him 100 bucks to come sit in the seats just to create a little bit of discussion. That's the kind of thing AEW can do that Vince would never do, that that company's in a position where they probably can't do it. But AEW should be doing all this. They're pulling out all the stops, and they're making it so – you need to pay attention to what's happening on screen at all times because it could all be relevant or at the very least it could make sense.
0: And they've been teasing the exalted one. They've been throwing you off the scent. I honestly have no idea who it is. Like it like you said it could be Christopher Daniels. But if you if you follow them on social media like they are it could be Lance Archer like yep. they have they have thrown that sort of bait out there. I mean, it could be Matt Hardy. They've yep. thrown that bait out there. Even Matt Hardy has thrown that bait out yep. there. Um, if if it's Matt Hardy, I think that's a pretty cool way to go.
1: I agree. I definitely agree. I mean, he's done with Vince. Uh, he could go there and be so creative because they. I don't think they would handcuff Matt Hardy at all. I think they would probably tell Matt Hardy, here's where we want you on the card. But we know how creative Matt is. Whether you like the deletion stuff or not, the broken Matt Hardy angle or not, you saw him trying to reinvent himself. and I I think you look at him as almost a turned-up version of Chris Jericho where he took it to the extremes. Jericho just made it seem more real. He turned himself into more of a star. Matt Hardy went more the anime, the comic book, the crazy man route, and it still kind of reinvented him for a new era. And I just think AEW is doing a good job of letting people be themselves. If you want to see a huge difference between two organizations... Nyla Rose cut that promo last week. And, you know, she was yelling a lot, but it was still pretty effective. And she was able to get a couple of pretty big lines out there. And then you had Reyna Gonzalez over on NXT, who sounded as if she was reading from a hostage statement <laughs> that she had never laid eyes on before. It was the most robotic, most fake. I I felt terrible for her because it was an awful situation to put her in but it sounded completely inauthentic and not real. And AEW seems to be letting people sink or swim, giving them bullet points, helping them write some stuff, but letting them be them. And I think you know some people are going to sink and some people are going to swim, but people are going to get better. I buried Britt Baker a couple times. I think Britt Baker has done a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm maybe not as high on it as some, but I like what they're trying to do here. She still needs to get better in the ring, but at the very least, she's created a character that I think has gotten legitimate heat. And that's a credit to her, and it's a credit to the people that are helping her.
0: And it's a credit to Tony Schiavone, who I oh, think yeah. is, who played a, a sympathetic sort of, um, if she's the bully, he's he's been a, a sympathetic uh, figure opposite her, like her coming to the broadcast table. Was it last week or a yeah, couple Yeah, it was of last week. Tony with, was with trying the,
1: to be nice to her and like, kind of suck up to her a little bit and she still wasn't taking the bait it was pretty funny i'd I like the back and forth between them
0: she had the coffee cup yes uh, had the had Tony shivani wrong. coffee yeah
1: yeah. t-o-n-e-y written in a pen it, it's pretty good it is it it's, it's, it's not bad it is so i mean it doesn't make me necessarily want to see her wrestle anymore but there's a place for the miz there's a place for the guys that you don't necessarily care that much about their matches And Britt's still very green, and she's likely to get better in the ring. But now there's a character that you can actually sink your teeth into, and just you want to see more from that character. But AEW right now just feels like television that's getting it right. I care a lot about Revolution. Like I really am intrigued by that pay-per-view. I think almost everything on that card ought to be good to great. Um You know, I'm not as big a fan of the Spot Fest as some, but I also see what wrestling has become today. So the Ray Phoenix stuff, I might sometimes roll my eyes at preposterous spots, but past that, I can also just enjoy it for what it is. You're getting a variety of content on that show. Jim Ross has come out and said, hey, we're looking for big guys. So they're trying to vary it up even more. Wardlow's not 6'10". He's 6'3", but he looks like a bull. You've got Luchasaurus. You've got a lot of things going on. Plus, you've even got old-school matches. MJF and Jungle Boy had a match a couple of weeks ago. It looked like it was straight out of 1987, and it got over bigger than crap because good versus evil is always going to work, and those two guys were in it together. And then, of course, you just take MJF and put him out there with Cody, and you just make gold. But I really don't have much to criticize right now about AEW. I'm just super excited watching their product. I'm very happy as a wrestling fan to just be enjoying so much of what they're doing.
0: Going back to Jim Ross saying that they're looking for more big guys. Like we saw Jeff Cobb uh, for at least a couple of weeks and, and hopefully That becomes more of a permanent thing. Hopefully they can get him under some sort of agreement to where we could see him. Maybe not every week, but on a more consistent basis. Uh, I think pretty much everyone is expecting at some point next month. I know AEW is running a show in Rochester, New York, which is the hometown of one Brody Lee, the former Luke Harper. Who could also be the
1: exalted one, by the way.
0: I guess he could be. I guess you're right. Uh, but I, I think everyone is pretty much expecting him uh, to show up in AEW within the next month or so. Uh, Lance Archer is another guy that we could see show up in AEW. And he, before he uh, was on the shelf, uh, is it a torn bicep, a torn tricep, one of those two? Uh, there was reports out there that Brian Cage was yeah. signing with AEW. So if that if those reports are true, you know, probably – won't be until six months down the road as he's dealing with a a pretty serious injury right now. But that is another guy, Brian cage, like say what you will about that dude's physique. But that guy, that guy has money and star written all over him.
1: Oh yeah. No question. And I think that it does bear, and you mentioned it earlier, but it bears applause really that AEW is clearly listening to what people are saying, to what their audience is saying, to what, even people in the pro wrestling media are saying to some degree, and they are cutting bait with things that don't work. They are continually tweaking the axe. Notice you haven't seen Marco stunt in a minute. He hasn't been out there in a couple weeks. Doesn't mean he's not going to be. But they've been better with how they've used him as of late. Uh, Orange Cassidy has still not worn out his welcome. I thought that was a cool spot. They kind of did the Otis spot yep. with him in the Battle Royal. Um Everything that they're doing seems to make sense. And the un- the like underrated star of that tag battle royal was The Butcher. Another big guy, as a matter of fact, as we're talking about these bigger guys. I kind of like The Butcher because he just looks like this nasty, mm-hmm. bigger dude that could whip your rear end. And I think there's always going to be a place in wrestling for somebody you wouldn't want to run into in a dark alley.
0: This is probably a light critique, but the only act that I feel like um, almost just habitually said WWE there. Yeah. But I think the one act that AEW might, I wouldn't consider it dropping the ball, but maybe they could have been doing something a little bit more with them are the Lucha brothers, like Lucha bros. I I feel like Pentagon, man, I I feel like you might've missed an opening when you had the San Francisco 49ers going Mm. on their little run uh, that where obviously they went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, but they went to the Super Bowl. And George Kittle is wearing a hoodie with Pentagon's mask on it. He's doing seto mieto after every first down. I feel like you missed just a little bit of an opportunity there.
1: I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think they've lost a lot and shouldn't have. Um, but I also think that they're always going to be over with that audience to a position where whatever you need them to become dominant, you can make them dominant and people will believe it. So, I think that there's and and Ray Phoenix is just on another level. I mean he does that friggin walk down the rope kick, and the deal where he did the hurricane Rana off the apron off the springboard to the floor. I'm just like, "What on earth am I watching like what this is this is superhero level kind of spot fest stuff, but it's so good that you can just kind of lose yourself. In that product. But they're, they're doing a great job in AEW. If I was giving them a letter grade right now, it would be a solid A. Like, they are they are firing on all cylinders. So they would be the first thing. Now we go to NXT. And I'm going to just lay out real quick, because we were talking right before we started recording, Brandon, about our thoughts on NXT. But I'm going to lay out one thing for you real quick that is sort of my theory on our questions about NXT. And first, I thought TakeOver Portland was one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. Just from pure enjoyment, I thought almost every match delivered and delivered well. Mm-hmm. Um, just some outstanding stuff on that show. Do you remember, and I'm sure you do, when we were at the fairgrounds for Ring of Honor Best in the World, when they did their first ever like legit pay-per-view or whatever, right. and it was yeah. at the fairgrounds. We were all there. Hutton was there. Reed was there. You were there. Brad was there. I. We were all there. <laughs> remember when we got to the end of that night and we were all just exhausted because of the sheer amount of wrestling that we had seen.
0: I was exhausted because of the, the bleachers at the yeah, fairground
1: arena. <laughs> I don't I think my
0: uh my quads were sore for like four days after that show.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a comfortable position to be in. But it was just it was exhausting watching all these guys have these long back and forth just spot fest matches and just the cardio involved and everything that's going on. Think about the guys that we saw that night on that card. We saw Adam Cole, Red Dragon, uh, Roderick Strong. We saw a lot of guys that all happen to be in the exact same place right now working for another company. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All of them are in NXT. Ring of Honor 2014, 2015, 2016 has become NXT. Outside of some of the guys like Finn Balor and Keith Lee, who was working more in PWG and... Things of that nature. But a lot of these guys worked in a company that didn't ask them to do anything from a character standpoint but asked them to go out and have 30-minute world beaters kicking out of every finish, every move, every spot over and over and over and over and over again because that's what their audience has always expected from them, dating back to Nigel McGuinness and Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe, and AJ Styles, and Low Key, and Amazing Red, and all the people that have gone through there, that's what Ring of Honor has always been. It was my initial problem with ROH when I was actually in the industry, and all the guys in Georgia were telling me how great Ring of Honor was, and I would watch it, and I'm like, where's the story here? Like, I'm not saying these guys don't know psychology. I'm saying, where is the story here? As good as these matches are, what is the in-ring story that I am watching? And I just think that the Ring of Honor style that these guys have brought with them, they've just kind of unchecked, continued along that. And I I think there might be a ceiling for that because there's a lot of people, Brandon, that watch pro wrestling for promos and storylines and the kinds of things AEW has given you. Yeah, they're giving you some good matches, NXT is you better wrestling than AEW, but AEW feels like a television show, and NXT feels like one big, long wrestling match that you can't take your breath from.
0: I feel like we're getting to a point of diminishing returns, at least with the top of the card in NXT. And you and I were discussing this before we uh, hit the record button on the computer. Um, going back to TakeOver, and I, I, I was kind of live-tweeting TakeOver Portland, and I said that it was probably the best takeover of at least the last calendar year. And I believe that, but at the same time, you know, we sort of maybe unfairly criticized Johnny Gargano a little bit on this show a few months ago, especially during his uh, set of series of three matches with Adam Cole, because he was kicking out of everything. Basically it would take like, you know, three or four final shots and and five, you know, Panama, Panama sunrises. City sunrises and all of this, but like that's not a Johnny Gargano match. That is now, it's an Adam Cole match, yep. because Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa just had that exact same match at TakeOver Portland that we saw him have with Johnny Gargano three times. And I'm, I, I think we're kind of getting to a point, like we all know that Adam Cole is a phenomenal professional Love wrestler. watching him, love him like he's great promo, great character guy, obviously can work his ass off in between the ropes. But these matches I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm I'm kind of over them. Like I'm kind of over this Adam Cole takeover main event style of match
1: yeah well let me here's what here brian last is like jim Cornette's co-host on his podcast and brian last is more of an old school guy he also hosts a 605 cast which is basically talking about classic wrestling crockett and all that when it was 605 on the superstation and brian last said it this way and he was talking about aew at the time but it, i think it applies more to nxt than it does aew everybody is now a video game character with infinite power Everything you hit them with, their power bar just goes back up. And eventually, arbitrarily, somebody just stays down for a three count. That's kind of what you see. Like when I was watching Adam Cole and Tommaso, I knew that I was going to have to strap in for a while and no move that I was going to watch where I was going to say, oh, well, this one's definitely going to end it, was probably going to end it because that's just kind of the way it was. That's the way it's been built. Gargano has done it with a lot of people champa being one of them adam cole has done it dating back again to that ring of honor show we saw in nashville remember how many finishes and how many crazy moves him and elgin did in that main event that night that's just what they do but i think looking at it from i think brian last is makes a very good point that it does feel like it's two guys with an infinite power bar where you can just do anything where it's just a bunch of cheat codes and nothing is going to hold these guys down for three. They're going to kick out of everything over and over again, and I think it exhausts you, and I think it kind of takes you out of it because there's no storytelling if it's just a bunch of kickouts. And there was, you know, my old roommate, one of my old roommates who worked for T and A for a time. He would talk about, and he was a bigger guy. He was, you know, six five, six six, two sixty, and he could do a four fifty, and he could do all these things. And he said, you know what, though, I don't do it because I think it's disrespectful to the small guys, because why would they be hired to do anything if I could do it at my height? That he had been taught that by his trainers. Like, you don't have to do everything that you're capable of. It's also the same thing as radio hosts, and you've, you know, I'm not going to name anybody, but you could probably figure it out, B, that feel like they have to get out every smart point in every answer and every time they have the microphone, so they don't hold anything back. They just run through every bit of facts that they have, every bit of notes that they have, because they want everybody to know how smart they are instead of parceling it out and doing it on some kind of a pace. That is what I feel like watching Adam Cole and some of these guys work. It's like they have to get every single spot in in every single match. Even Adam Page coming off the top rope with that moonsault to the floor where he lands on his feet. Why is he doing that in every match? Like, why would you do that, or why wouldn't he miss it from time to time? He never does. So then what effect does it have when he does it other than, well, that's a cool spot that I'm expecting to see? There are signature moves, but Adam Cole wants you to think, I'm going to hit every spot, everything on my bullet point before we get to the end, and then arbitrarily something is going to finish this. Like dropping dudes on their heads, injuring their necks when they're coming back from surgery and stuff, that's not going to get a three-count but Johnny Gargano holding on to a belt and then hitting Tommaso Ciampa is going to lead to a finish. Like, there's just, there needs to be a story that actually plays out in some of these finishes. And it just feels like a lot of these things are just move, 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 move. And eventually, one of these moves, we don't know which, is going to get a three count.
0: We're also sort of like in uncharted territory a little bit with NXT because we've never seen, uh, usually, you know you would get a Finn Balor at the top of the card and he would run the top of the card for six, seven months. And then he'd move on to raw. Like it seems like like NXT in its history, it's five, six year history however long it's been. Now I know WWE was celebrating the 10 year anniversary of NXT, but they were including the game show version of it. Uh, But usually the history of NXT has been that that top of the card is going to rotate out after a year or so. And we're sort of in uncharted territory right now because Adam Cole's not leaving. Johnny Gargano's not leaving. Tommaso Ciampa's not leaving. And how exactly, like creatively, I feel like NXT's being stretched a little thin right now because what what new story can they tell with Adam Cole or Tommaso Ciampa or Johnny Gargano? Like we're getting Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa 17 now, with Johnny Gargano as the heel. Like, does that um, really interest you? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they're doing that one just because they never got that final match they were supposed to have because of Champa getting hurt. So I think that that's why they're doing it, and at least they are flipping the script. Here's a better example of what you just said. Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic. They've wrestled I don't know how many times. It's always good. They had a phenomenal match at TakeOver Portland that was supposed to be the finish, you know, uh, Keith Lee raising Dijakovic's hand at the end of it, basically to say, yeah, this guy's an unbelievable warrior, da-da-da-da-da-da. And then what happens on Wednesday? Dijakovic just comes in the ring, grabs a microphone, and says, I'm not ready to move on yet. It's like, how many times can you guys work? Like, Keith Lee needs to be defending. He needs to be in another program. Honestly, no offense to Donovan, but against somebody that's moreover as a heel, where he can really sink his teeth into holding that championship and what it means as opposed to just going out there and having a great match every time. They need to do something more from a character and an investment standpoint. I know if those two guys work again at the TakeOver Mania weekend that they're going to have a phenomenal match because they always have a phenomenal match. But I've seen this thing to death, and that's main roster stuff. That's not what you usually see from NXT, and I think you're right about nobody moving on, but we used to lament how often we would see, like, I don't know, Sheamus and Randy Orton. On Raw, we would see it 12 weeks in a row. They would run all these matches into the ground before we ever even get to a pay-per-view, and why would we care by that point? I I love watching Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic work, and I just flat out will not care other than just the match itself. But it's certainly not going to make me interested as an audience member that's just kind of a more casual fan or needs something from a story standpoint to sink my teeth into.
0: I want to say it's like four or five times at least that we've seen those two. Uh, I know they wrestled on one of the last WWE Network exclusive editions yes. of NXT before uh, moving over to USA. Um,
1: they had the three way also. They had a three
0: way with Damian Priest, right? Yes,
1: I think they had one with Roddy too, didn't they? Maybe
0: wasn't wasn't that was that when Keith Lee won the title?
1: There was one, yeah, no, 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 no. There was, or maybe so, but there was one where they did that like Tower of Doom spot where it looked like they died, and I don't think that right, was right, Damien right. Priest. Yeah. I think that no, was no, yeah, that that Strong. was
0: that was Roderick Strong. I just feel like we've seen some combination of those two dudes at least five times since last September.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's no question about it, and I just think Keith Lee has a real, real high ceiling, but at and the Guy same Dichovitch time, is kind of just what he is.
0: At the same time, like who is over enough to feud with Keith Lee right now that's not tied up somewhere else? Like we've tied up Pete Dunn and Matt Riddle in the tag team. By the way, I
1: love, I love that. Yeah, browser rates are great. Yeah, that that's a lot of fun. That has this odd couple feel to it that usually works. It's like Al Snow and Steve Blackman if they were good. Um <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually like Al Snow, but just like it's that same kind he of thing. He follows deal. us on Twitter. I know. I know. I love Al Snow, and I actually enjoy his work, too. But just the idea of Al Snow was the charisma. Matt Riddle's the charisma. Steve Blackman was Dole's doornail kind of guy that was able to deadpan. And that's what Pete Dunne is. And both of them are tremendous wrestlers, so you know you're going to get great tag work every time they're in the squared circle. And this is very much what Matt Riddle is. Even if some of it doesn't land or some of it feels corny, it does feel like Matt Riddle is able to kind of be himself.
0: No, no question. But I'm just looking up and down this card right now talking about, you know, who can be an opponent for Keith Lee, and not a ton makes sense. Well, you got to get I mean,
1: some guys over. I mean, think about, uh, what's his name, Cameron Grimes, or somebody like that. Like, you'd have to do a little bit of work, but there are some guys that are super talented that you could find a way to to get into that role, but you're never going to do that if you just keep on rolling back Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic forever, even if that's the best match those two guys can have because they love each other to death and they're so used to working with each other, even dating back to PWG and other independent dates. Um, Eventually, you got to stop with that traveling match and do something else. Now, speaking of guys that are tied up, when you talked about the creativity of AEW and how a lot of these angles are clicking, who is responsible for this Velveteen dream Roderick Strong angle?
0: Oof.
1: Velveteen comes back. He's super rusty. He looks terrible on that first night when he explodes. He's throwing really bad punches, and I just think he was super excited, and he's still kind of green anyway. Then he had a match with Roddy. It wasn't good, but how in the world is your baby face playing Rick Rude in 2020 with a man's... Wife and child on his gear, basically talking about being with a real man. And all. What is babyface about showing a photo of Roddy with his wife and son and saying that Roddy's not a real man because his wife won't take his name? Like, w- why would I cheer for that guy? Why in the world? I want to see Roderick Strong decapitate Velveteen, Dream? Right.
0: I actually, I think he started that on Twitter before he brought it to television with the whole you know, Roger's not man enough to have his wife take his name. And I, I kind of told a screenshot of that. And I sent it to a couple of friends and I'm like, I'm not trying to work myself into a shoot here, but this is garbage. Like this, this is like, this tweet is trash. Like what the angle that they're running right now, if, if Velveteen dream was, was the heel in this whole thing, then like, maybe it works. Maybe. It's still, it's, you're still towing up to a line Like, like the Rick Rude part of it probably doesn't fly. How many times Rick Rude
1: was a babyface doing that gimmick? Like never, like ever, not once. I like this has given me go away heat for Velveteen Dream. Like I just don't want to see him at all,
0: which is amazing to say. Yes, because I, I would imagine this might be the first negative thing that we have ever said about Velveteen dream on this show. Like we are massive fans of Velveteen dream. Like we love that dude. Yeah. This angle, this character he's playing, whatever's going on with this storyline is trash.
1: Yeah. And once you, once you have that in the background, then the work starts to stand out more. Like you can forgive how greeny is when some things don't compute, but when the angle sucks and you hate the character, all of a sudden, you start to notice the blemishes in the ring, I think, a lot more often. Because I actually think Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong had a bad wrestling match in the main event of NXT last week. When's the last time Roderick Strong had a bad wrestling match with anybody? It's been a long time. A very, very, very long time. So, it's not that like NXT is awful... But you asked me a question before we came on and you were just kinda like, Are you bored? And the answer is I'm much more excited to fire up my D V R and watch Dynamite on Wednesday nights than I am to NXT. NXT I might not even get to, to get to, to the next day. AEW, I kinda I want I want to stay off Twitter and not find out anything that happens on that show because I'm invested in the television product and the stories that are being told. NXT's not telling me a whole lot of good stories right now. I did like Tommaso's challenge and trying to come back and get Goldie, and talking about his life and all. Of, like some of the stuff is still landing. One thing I do want to mention on positive side, and there's still a lot of positives. The women's division, I think Dakota Kai and uh, Tegan Knox has worked out well. I think Chelsea uh-huh. Green, I don't know what that's going to be, hasn't really landed as of yet. Bianca Belair has really stepped up her game, and tomorrow night it's going to be her and Charlotte, um, to, maybe to try and pop a rating, but. It should be good, and it's been really good for Bianca as of late, Rhea Ripley. There's a lot of good stuff, but Gargano and Balor was excellent. That was a terrific match from a storytelling and pacing standpoint. started out slow. You knew they were going to go long, but they did, and they told a great story. And Finn Balor is showing right now how good he actually is. Like that whole promo Gargano cut about, I want the NXT Balor, I don't want the raw SmackDown Ballard that lost to Bobby Lashley 17 weeks in a row. This dude that Finn Balor's playing right now, who I'm not even sure he can stay heel, even if he doesn't change a single thing he's doing, watching this guy and his comeback and the way that he is performing, he is on a superstar-like level. And we'll see. I don't know if they're going to do him and Cole on WrestleMania weekend or he's going to be part of a multi-man match. Or whether or not they're gonna end up doing Dream and Cole or what it is that they're gonna do. But Finn Balor is better than at any point he has been since he's been a part of World Wrestling Entertainment or NXT. I
0: think he's the best guy on NXT right now. I think he is I think he should be the top act right now, and I know that's sort of, you know, hitting the rewind button and and putting a guy who was on top four or five years ago, back on top. I do think that match with Gargano was the best match at takeover Portland. And that's a high bar to clear, because as we said, we thought that was at least the best takeover the last calendar year, but I still thought that that match was the best match of the night. Finn Balor's on a, on a different level right now, not just work. I think he's cutting the best promos that he's ever cut in WWE and that a lot of that has to do with the character that he's playing now. He's never played that Prince Devitt style character in WWE. We've always just sort of seen the mysterious but at the end of the day like smiley babyface Finn Balor. He's on a different pl- level right now and I and I I'm not speaking for you here but Obviously, if I brought it up before the show started, I am a little bored with NXT, especially the top of the card right now with Adam Cole being on top for as long as he's been. We're going to get Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano uh, yet again at uh, TakeOver during WrestleMania weekend. I just feel like NXT needs something new right now, and Finn Balor can provide that something new. So if he leaves TakeOver uh, Tampa with the NXT championship, I would be a very happy man.
1: Do you think it's possible, even though you're not seeing nearly as many call-ups, that some portion, if not all, of Undisputed Era has their final say in NXT that weekend? That you do get the shift that you've been talking about and that they call up Adam Cole and they call up the tag team and they maybe call up Roddy or they call up maybe two of them three of them, whatever it is. I could definitely see that being kind of the end for them.
0: I could see O'Reilly and fish getting called up just because WWE loves to call up tag teams and then do nothing with them. Uh, But Adam Cole kind of has seemingly made his intentions clear that he wants to stay in NXT. Obviously we've heard Gargano and Champa both basically say they would rather quit than be called up to, to raw or SmackDown. But that's the thing. Like, like I feel like I'm repeating myself, but NXT being in sort of uncharted waters here, by having their top of the card be around for so long, and I'm not necessarily sure they know how to write that long because they're used to those guys being gone in
1: six months. Yeah, I mean, I think the only other thing that you do, if you don't pull the Balor trigger, I think you eventually do Keith Lee and Adam Cole. And you put the title on Keith Lee. But I think we've come to a spot where... There's not much left for the Undisputed Era in particular to accomplish in NXT. So they're just going to continue to be on top because, of course, they are. They're great. Uh, They're fantastic. They're always going to have good matches. You like seeing them. But they're never going to... You talk about Uncharted Waters. They're never going to find Uncharted Waters. They're only going to keep sailing on the same ocean that we've watched over and over and over again and diminishing returns that we're seeing now are only going to get worse and worse if they don't mm-hmm. basically tell these guys, we know you want to stay in NXT, but what else is there for you to do here? We have to build other talent, and then maybe we can bring you back down the road. But you guys got to move on. That's the way this thing works, because that's all we can do is keep running the same matches back if no one leaves. It's like, if I want a better job, then somebody has to leave, or I'm going to be stuck in my job forever. It's It's just there's only so much space and there's only so much time on TV and it's not like you can justify, okay, we're going to take Adam Cole off of TV, but he's going to stay in NXT. We're going to take him off TV for two months so we can build somebody else. Like, I just don't see that happening.
0: No, I think that's right. But at the same time, like, do you have any faith whatsoever? Like Adam Cole gets called up, called up to SmackDown or raw the night after WrestleMania. Uh, That, that feeling is he's going to be like, there's going to be buzz there for what? Three weeks, four weeks?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you're at least seeing more guys getting stuff to do on the main roster right now. Vince paying more attention to XFL. He wasn't at Raw on Monday. Raw was a better show. You know, Heyman has made his intentions clear with Alistair Black, with Murphy, with some of those kind of guys, with Humberto Carrillo. Uh, you've got Garza up there. I mean, there's there's some stuff there. So at least there seems to be some movement for some new talent that's freshened things up. Drew is obviously getting a title shot at Mania. There are some things that are going right. There's still a lot that's going wrong. And in terms of faith, no, of course not. And I certainly don't have faith that it would go anywhere near as good for some of them. Like I think Champa has a lot of personality. And I think Adam Cole would find a way. I think that... Gargano gets lost on the main roster. I think that Fish and O'Reilly turn into the revival. Um, as good as they are, I'm looking forward to seeing the revival in AEW. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it just goes back to WWE has tried to put a lot of people out of business. You know, they they launched NXT UK with pretty much the Express intention of putting a lot of people out of business in the UK. Uh, they've tried to buy stardom. They've tried to buy uh, DDT pro or no, not DDT pro another company in Japan. Yeah. Like there's all these rumors about them launching NXT Japan. It's because they want to basically hurt uh, new Japan. And it's like, it's one of these things where we're seeing the products suffer because they have spent the better part of the last three or four years just buying up talent all across the world and then doing nothing with them. And so that's why we talk about, you know, all these people that are on the undercard of NXT right now that can't move up because Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and Undisputed Era and, and Tommaso Ciampa are going, they're not going anywhere. So you have this whole backlog of talent in NXT that can't break through because no one else is mo- is going anywhere. And you're seeing that a lot on the main roster as well. There's, there's just a ton of under guys who would, who could do some real damage in other companies, but they're stuck in WWE. And yes, you could say that, you know, they signed the contract, but at the end of the day, like WWE is just buying up talent just to keep them from other
1: people. Yeah. Without any intention of using them or any space, even if they wanted to use them, they can't find any space to do it. Let me throw one other quick thing out to you about NXT. Tell me if you're on board with this idea. Keith Lee, maybe you put the title on Balor you have Keith Lee beat Balor and then you do Walter and Keith Lee. bring Walter long, over and make Walter somebody that's regularly on NXT in this country.
0: just let those let Walter and Keith Lee just like beat the crap out of each other for about 25 30 minutes like you put those two names put those two dudes in a ring together they yeah you've got me on board. So Hoss fights, man, slapping meat. Oh, absolutely. Big E would say
1: absolutely. So an A for AEW. Where where are you, letter grade wise, NXT right now? I thought Takeover was an A plus show, but I would say NXT's B minus ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. Not because of the talent, just because I, it just seems like they're treading water a little bit.
0: I would just say a B. Maybe a B. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, B minus might be. was a little too close
1: me. to a C, and I don't think yeah. I don't think that's right. Yeah, about a B. Now the main roster. Uh, Raw and SmackDown, things have changed. We talked about John Cena and Elias on Twitter. That's now not going to happen. Uh, The Cena angle is expected to be shot in Boston on Friday on SmackDown. I don't know what they're going to do exactly there. I think we'll know a lot more based on what happens in Saudi Arabia the day before. Um, Goldberg and the Fiend is a thing that's happening. (laughs) Goldberg may, in fact, beat the Fiend because there's bigger money to be made with Goldberg and Roman Reigns or Goldberg and John Cena or some grouping of those three guys without The Fiend attached to it. You could also do Goldberg and John Cena without the title and do Mm -hmm. Roman Reigns and The Fiend the way it was originally intended to be done. But it's gotten a little bit more complicated because of Vince McMahon saying what he said on the conference call a few weeks ago, the investors call, about a big change that's coming. And what continues to be talked about, and he said it was going to come this quarter, is that the big four, that being WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and Royal Rumble, will be sold off to some other provider, whether that's ESPN Plus or whatever it might be. And then those shows become you know, $70 shows on pay-per-view plus the cost of whatever that service is. And then everything else remains on the WWE Network. So if you're going to put WrestleMania, if that's going to be the announcement and WrestleMania turns out to be a legit pay-per-view and not on the WWE Network, then you need the biggest matches that you can find, one of which probably would be something like Goldberg and Roman Reigns, because all due respect to The Fiend... The Fiend is not going to sell $70. I mean, WrestleMania is going to sell itself to some degree, but you want the best card that you can have, and I don't know that The Fiend is the guy that you need in that spot, if indeed that's what we're building towards.
0: Do you think that would work? Like, uh, I mean. In terms of moving those pay per views? Yeah, in in terms of moving those pay per views to like an ESPN. And I do think. uh, I I think I saw a report that kind of. WWE had met with ESPN yeah. uh, pretty recently. So if that, that is the case, after, I would think real hard after about four years, after four or yes. five years or however, however long it's been of just paying 10 bucks a month uh, to get every WWE pay-per-view and for them. And if, if you're not even paying 10 bucks a month, they're going to give it to you for free anyways. Um, I just, I, I'm not sure you could put that genie back in the bottle.
1: Yeah, well, here's the argument. You can tell people, or you can make it pretty clear based on what you sell and what you bring in for these shows, that the big four all of a sudden becomes the big four again. That it's not just a longer, regular pay-per-view. That these are major, major, major shows that are leaps and bounds higher than everything else that's on the wwe network now you're going to hemorrhage network subscribers if you take those shows off of it and i was thinking to myself i'm like would i pay let's say it's let's say it's 70 bucks plus the five dollars on espn plus would i pay 75 dollars for wrestlemania this year i don't know and i think that one of the reasons why is because they conditioned me to say that the value of that show is 10 bucks a month. I also think it's just because we have so many services that we're paying for monthly. I mean, I have so many things being auto-drafted to various television networks and services that that's a lot of money. Like, I'm you know, thinking about AEW Revolution. I'm going to do that, but that's because they only have their four or five shows a year, and they have earned my money based on the television that they have done. WWE right now... Like, let's say it is Goldberg and Roman Reigns. Yeah, I'd like to see that, but is that going to sell anything in this day and age?
0: You want to see
1: Goldberg and Roman Reigns? I mean, it's Spear versus Spear, and you know it's going to be quick, and Goldberg and Lesnar was great. Reigns is good. Goldberg goes in and has his Goldberg match. I think that there's, there's interest there, but the bigger issue is just like in a day where nothing is real, where there's no way to suspend your disbelief anymore, it, it I get more and more cynical and more and more it, it's so much harder to draw me into a story because all the secrets have been so exposed and run into the ground. I just don't know that there is a match. like I've seen Goldberg Russell a few times lately and I'm gonna throw out the last one because stuff went wrong there. He had some good stuff, but I've also seen it. like do I feel like I'm gonna miss something? I mean, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan and somebody that's talked about on the air for such a long time as of you. But my question is how many regular people out there is that going to move the needle for?
0: Listen, at the end of the day, I would probably still buy WrestleMania. I'd probably still buy Royal Rumble. You ain't getting me to pay $70 for a dang survivor series. Like that's just not happening in 2020. But at the end of the day, like I just don't feel like WWE has built enough stars for me to want to go from paying 10 bucks a month to paying seven seventy dollars for one shot to see
1: them. Like, that's just flat out. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, I actually think that while some new guys are getting opportunities, some can't-misses are becoming misses. This Monday Night Messiah thing that Seth Rollins is doing is making me never want to watch him on television again. Baron Corbin is Baron Corbin. Him and Roman Reigns are going to go have a average to bad cage match probably in saudi arabia ricochets working brock lesnar if you want to even call it that because they're not even making it look like ricochet matters because well he doesn't not in the grand scheme not to not to vince mcmahon it certainly doesn't seem like that here's what you're building to at wrestlemania drew and brock whatever they're going to do with goldberg john cena roman reigns that crew with elias now out of that picture uh, and maybe The Fiend still associated in some way. And AJ Styles and Undertaker, which I am excited about. And it's a smart move. If you're going to have The Undertaker wrestle again, then you've got to put him in there with somebody that's going to really help him have a good match. And somebody that's smart and somebody you've never seen him work before, that they probably want to work together. Like That's the one match at WrestleMania right now that I'm very excited about, is AJ Styles and Undertaker, which says a lot, because Undertaker at this point... He's only going to be able to give you so much.
0: You you were talking earlier in the show about some of the new guys, especially on Raw, that Paul Heyman has has spent a lot of time, at least a little bit of time building. Talking about guys like Humberto Carrillo right. and uh, Garza and, and Aleister Black, Black, Murphy and Murphy Andrade before he was on his thirty uh, day suspension. Yeah. that's supposed to end, I believe, tomorrow. Yeah, because they're so going be to be in Saudi match. Arabia.
1: They're going to be in a tag match. Gar- Did you talk about a good match next week? Ray and Carrillo against Garza and Andrade on Raw on yeah. Monday.
0: And I do think Andrade is going to be in Saudi Arabia on Thursday. Mm. I think that is the 31st day uh, since his suspension. So he will be there. Uh, but at the end of the day, like those guys haven't, they, they've been built fairly well, but they haven't been built into top guys, at least not yet. So, like, we we could talk about how they've sort of done some good things with the undercard. The top of the card is still the same dudes from the last four or five years. Like, no one really knew, except for maybe Bray Wyatt, has broken into that sort of top tier right now. So, like, if you're talking about moving a WrestleMania off of the WWE network uh, onto, you know, another streaming platform where you're going to have to pay a pretty substantial amount of money for it, like, I'm going to need more than Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Roman Reigns, like the, the same people we've been seeing well, for the last four or five years.
1: Well, I think their argument is Undertaker, John Cena, um, who am I forgetting right now? A couple of other guys. There, Edge. Like those Edge. are the three probably biggest. I, I did mention Edge and Randy Orton. I'm excited to watch that. Um, yeah, and how they how sure. that plays out certainly as well. But like those are the legends that you're talking about here. You're you're selling those that you don't get to see very often. in Edge who you haven't seen in ages and maybe never thought you were going to see again. And then you're going to see basically what you've come to expect. I mean, they're right now building a program between Otis and Dolph Ziggler on SmackDown and no, that SmackDown. That. You, no, I agree with that. But like, remember when SmackDown was going to be the a show because it was going to be on Fox. Uh, that show's not very good. No, it's not like at all. And, and we're and,
0: doing Bailey and Naomi. That's right. In Saudi Arabia. Naomi may so, win whoa. that match. I mean, she probably should because the Bailey run hasn't been very good. No, but at hasn't. the same time, like there's, I would have assumed that that was going to be the Mania program. So all of a sudden, now you have to build a SmackDown Women's Championship match for WrestleMania in the span of like three or four weeks.
1: Well, there's speculation they're going to do two Women's Chamber matches, which I think is a horrible idea. One with the SmackDown girls, one with the Raw girls. Where you assume Shayna is going to win the one to lead to her and Becky, which I don't like honestly, because Becky should just basically demand Shayna. Say you know what, you want to bite me, you want to do this vampire, you want to be become a vampire, whatever it is. Like she should be demanding a match with her, and then the chamber could be for whoever gets a match with the winner the night after Mania or something like that. But you've got two women's chamber matches, and you've got the men's chamber match, if you do that. I think that's just no. I'm sorry. Like, you don't need three chamber matches on one show. Honestly, you don't even need two, but two is the max. Like, you do not want to oversaturate with that match, which all of them are going to go long, and you can only do so many spots. And it just kind of, it's like doing a hell in a Cell card. What was the TNA lockdown, where every match was in a cage? <laughs> that's, yeah. Maybe on paper that was a good idea. But it was never good when you actually had to watch it. It was never executed well. Gimmicks are gimmicks for a reason. They're not gimmicks that you can do all night long. Another one was NWO sold out, 97. Let's put it all in black and white and have NWO when we realize just how many losers we have actually wearing the black and white now. Let's have Nick Patrick be the ref in every match under a mask and just put NWO people over for three hours. And no. Like, you've got to you got to think things through a little bit better than that. But AJ Undertaker and Edge Orton are two things that I do want to see. And I'm curious what they're going to do with Cena now that they're not going to do Cena Elias. I don't know why they were going to do Cena Elias in the first place. That doesn't seem to make all that much sense. But we'll see and, and and you know, after Saudi Arabia we'll know probably what's going on with Goldberg. But by Friday night, I think we're going to have a better handle on what we're gonna see at Mania. And one thing that drew some controversy and you know we had some of our listeners actually talking about it is the Bella twins going into the Hall of Fame. Uh you do know this is just a WWE Hall of Fame. Like I have no issue with this whatsoever. I mean And you do
0: I mean And the, you do know that Nikki Bella deserves it, right? Oh yeah. Like like even if we were just doing this on the merits. Yes. Which we haven't been doing this on the merits for a very long time. Like especially what's the Godfather got into the WWE hall of fame. I was basically about done with the WWE hall of fame. So if you didn't, if you didn't complain about that, you really have no leg to stand on when it comes to the Bella twins. Now you could say Brie was not very good and you would be correct, but the last two or three years of Nikki Bella's in ring run, she was pretty good.
1: Oh yeah, she was. I mean, she held the title forever and she worked and got better at first, you were like, oh, well, you know why she's in this spot. But then she worked hard. She, I think she advanced from being a, quote, diva, unquote, to someone that was having pretty consistently good matches. And, you know, bre- they were also superstars. I mean, they, they opened the door for reality TV, Total Divas and Total Bellas, and they were crossover stars. They became celebrities, They were near the top for a long time. I mean, think about, I mean, Jacqueline's in the Hall of Fame, folks. And the Bella Twins were near the top of the women's division forever. Whether or not you liked them or not, or whether or not you didn't think they were worthy, doesn't erase what they actually accomplished or how they were booked. I mean, you look at all the women that they're bringing in year after year into this. The Bellas are near the best that they've put into this point. If, If there comes a day.
0: And now that CM Punk is doing uh, WWE backstage, maybe there will become a day, probably pretty soon. But let's just say, if and when AJ Lee goes into the WWE Hall of Fame, I feel like the majority of people, the vast majority of people, will have nothing negative to say about that. But here's a hot take. Nikki Bella deserves to be in more than AJ Lee. Don't at
1: me. Don't at me. It doesn't matter who you like better. It doesn't even matter who you maybe respect better. Who accomplished more? Nikki Bella by leaps and bounds. A wide margin. So you can get, I mean, people get up in arms every year about people going to the Hall of Fame. There are a long list of people that I could make arguments and say I wouldn't put them in my Hall of Fame. But in the WWE Hall of Fame, the Bella Twins is going to cause you trouble. That 's a you problem, like if you objectively take take your thoughts about them out, which may all, all of a sudden also be wrong based on how they improved and worked and did all those things, but just what they were able to pull off and how they were treated on screen as characters, there is no debate to be had; they are absolute without question w w e hall of fame women like there's just no I can't understand the argument against it, except it's just kind of prejudice against them for whatever reason.
0: And listen, they've had that sort of reputation from a lot of like the most vocal portion of professional wrestling fandom for a while now, but like even, and you, you touched on it when you talk about the reality show stuff, uh, total divas, total Bellas, Nikki Bella was on dancing with the stars Hell, I was like my wife and I like watching the Food Network, and Nikki Bella was on a freaking episode of Chopped a few weeks ago. Like outside of the ring, like I I think they've got a pretty popular podcast as well. Like there's a lot of accomplishments on Uh, that resume.
1: Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, so that one that one just kind of baffled me. Like they're whether or not you're going to watch their speech or care. I mean, that's that's up to you. But they've done a really I mean, they've done a lot in the industry, and they have become celebrities, and that matters in WWE. If this were the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, maybe they don't get in because of that voting block. But there ain't no voting to be had here. Remember, we had Kevin Nash on the show, and Kevin Nash was just like, "Yeah, I just I just laying on a bed, yeah, like yeah, and barely talking, or barely talking audibly. He was talking plenty, but he was like talking (laughs) way away from his earpiece or whatever it was." (laughs) And he was just kind of talking about, yeah, you know, I just haven't decided to take their money yet. Because they're just going to – I mean, that's what it is. They just pay you and you go into their Hall of Fame. And there have been some that have really wanted it, like Davey Boy Smith's family have really for a long time wanted him to go in, so he's going to go in. Uh, And then, you know, there's some other folks in this class as well, Batista and and the like. But The NWO. Yeah, and the NWO. (laughs) But Including – six puck for some reason. Yeah, well, you got to put Sean Waltman in there. Um, maybe he actually yeah, doesn't he make it on stage. <laughs> maybe he gets fired on the phone by Eric Bischoff before he actually makes it on stage. The same way that we have seen before. But So if AEW is an A, and NXT is a B, what is Raw, SmackDown since the start of the year because I do think Raw has been a much better show. SmackDown has not been anything special, but when you look at maybe some of the people that you're beginning to see on TV a bit more, I think they've done a nice job with Kevin Owens as well this year and that's another Raw success, but what's the letter grade for the main roster?
0: Uh uh-huh. I think Rawl's been pretty good. Like I, I know you said that the Monday night Messiah stuff that Seth Rollins is doing is making you never want to see him again. Uh, I think it's been okay. Like I the what was it last week, last Monday, he did sort of the, the sermon, sermon which in was the ring that ended that ended up getting interrupted. I, I actually, you know, there's parts to that character that I understand that uh, a pretty significant portion of the audience are not going to like. I'm not as down on it as as you are. Um, I don't have that big of a problem with it. It's not my favorite. I don't think he's just like knocking it out of the park, but I'd probably put that character, that performance around a C plus B minus minus. and the rest of raw. Like we've, we've kind of hit on it. I do think that, they're they're building some new guys. I, I think Drew McIntyre is going to get a coronation at, at WrestleMania where he is about to become the face of the company, and rightfully so. Dude's a mil- I, I think that, that guy's a superstar. Oh, I agree. If I had to put a letter grade on it, I would put Raw at about a B, and then I would put SmackDown <laughs> at about a C-. Mm,
1: well, you didn't go quite as low. You didn't go into the D territory. I thought maybe you were going to go there. What else have we not talked about? Have we hit everything? I'm trying to remember because there was so much, and I knew that we had a lot that we needed to talk about. Oh, okay, well, let's predict revolution a little bit here. Any chance? You know what? I honestly think MJF needs to beat Cody. I don't know that he will, but I think he should because he's kind of gotten his comeuppance most of the time over the past month with Cody getting through all the stipulations, with him getting thrown in the pool. It's just like MJF has... He's kind of gotten beaten around more than a top heel should. So I think somehow he has to come out on top in this match.
0: And that would also tell a pretty great story with Cody as well, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Cody not being able to win the championship and now not being able to challenge for the championship anymore. And then losing to MJF. I think that's pretty – there's some meat on that bone.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, actually, not clean, but it needs to be as dirty as dirty gets. It needs to be something just hideous that angers you. But Cody losing, I think, is the best story to tell that benefits, because Cody doesn't need to win. MJF winning here is the kind of thing that elevates. Because that dude, MJF has main event heel face of the company for a decade written all over it. Just do yep. it right. He's got everything that you possibly want. Um, tag title match. Do you? What do you expect from Omega and Page? Uh, Are they going my, to lose? I or is there going to be a turn?
0: I want to say, like, I do think Page probably turns. Maybe not this week, but soon. I don't know that I would do that, as we discussed earlier in the show, just because of how popular he's gotten uh, with this, like, alcoholic gimmick that, that he's running right now. I'm not
1: sure. Like, do you turn the bucks? I don't know if you can. That's the problem with all these characters. Is they're so beloved because everybody knows the backstory of how the company was founded. The bucks have a book coming out in September. Um, Harper Collins is actually publishing it. That's a major deal.
0: So promptly called killing the
1: business. Exactly. And so they're going to be talking about the founding of AEW and how it started and their careers and all this kind of stuff. I don't see that being a heel. I don't see them being heels when that book comes out. Let's just say that. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they book that, how they book around this. I know what they wanted to do with Adam page, but I don't know if you can do that or if you do, whether or not the fans are going to accept it, Dustin and finally Jake Hager is going to work a match. Um, you know what it'll be. Dustin has great matches with everybody. That dude is timeless. He's ageless. He's better now maybe than he even was 15 years ago. Uh, him and Hager will just have a sort of semi-version of a Haas match, and it doesn't matter whether Dustin wins it or not. You can do more with Hager down the road, so maybe you let him go over in this first match. Probably not clean. I'm not exactly sure there, but Hager and Dustin ought to be fine.
0: I like the the story with obviously Hager being the one that broke Dustin's arm in the parking lot. Like there's 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 been a pretty good build to this thing. I do think that that Hager wins because there's probably more money, quite frankly, in Hager down the line. And it seems like Dustin is in this like sort of player coach role right now, where like yeah, he's putting on some phenomenal matches on pay per view. I mean we could talk about the, the one he had with Cody uh, last summer, which sure. I believe won the, I, I'm pretty sure that won like wrestling observer match of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they did a whole social media bit with those two accepting that award a couple of weeks ago. Um, that, I, but I just don't see where or why, like where's the value in having Dustin go over here. I just feel like Dustin sort of like settled into this, role as a player coach. And, and that's fine for him at this point in his career.
1: Sammy G and Darby Allen. This is where the baby face needs to go over. Um, they ought to have a really good match. First of all, they're both very talented. I think Darby Allen's stuff looks really good. Um, his punches and just the way he goes about it. It it looks believable to me. I think Darby Allen needs to win this. Um, it needs to go, you know, 12, 14 minutes it needs to be good action. A lot of heat from Sammy G And then just put Darby Allen over clean. Put him over strong and keep elevating him because the kids love him. Um, The gimmick is getting over. We like when we see him on TV. He's got a unique personality to say the least. He's different. And Guevara can lose every match, and it's not really going to hurt him all that much because he can play that annoyance role for the inner circle. They can't all win. That was a mistake when the NWO did that long term. You could do that short term. You can do it long term this is a match where you need to elevate your baby face and Darby Allen.
0: Yeah. I mean the heat on Guevara is uh, Guevara is that you want to see him get his ass kicked. Yes. And like I, like, like you said, I don't think that him getting his ass kicked makes you not want to see him get his ass kicked the next time. Like he's got such a annoying, annoying, like swarmy type, uh, gimmick that he's working right now that it work that works perfectly and he could probably lose every match on pay-per-view that he's in and it wouldn't really affect him all that much
1: no and i think anytime he wins he's still going to be credible even if he is the guy that does a lot of jobs for the inner circle because you know how talented he is he's so young and i think he's a, a bright piece of the future for aew nyla rose and chris statlander has been officially added to the card. This ain't the time. If you're going to take the title mm. off of Riho and put it on Nyla Rose, whether you like Nyla Rose or not, first off, I I'm a little concerned about this match. Like, I'm not expecting this one to be very good. I feel like you almost have to find a way to involve Britt Baker in this match. With what? I mean, what's her purpose otherwise?
0: I think Nyla Rose had a pretty good match with Rio.
1: Yeah, because Rio and she is won great. the title
0: because Riho was great. Uh, I've I've said on this show the last couple of episodes that we've done that I enjoy Chris Statlander a lot more than you do. Uh, but I do readily admit that she is green as grass. And when she is across the ring from someone who is not necessarily a ring general in Nyla Rose, this one could be ugly.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and it probably like
0: it as, 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 as would say bowling, shoe ugly.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe it's going to surprise, and it's just going to be kind of a hoss women's fight to some degree, and that'll be okay. Rio lost and just disappeared into thin air, so that's well, she was
0: she was she was winning and then disappearing into thin air for like six months. Like that's basically what, like Britt Baker's character for like two months has been that Rio is never there. Like I don't know if she just like flies in like once a month from Japan or what. Like I don't know what's going on there.
1: I mean, you've got a title on a heel in Nyla Rose, but I don't know what Britt Baker is doing if she doesn't get involved here. I mean, maybe she does something with Rio. Maybe they set a secondary angle up, but you know they're obviously building to something with Britt Baker. It's not gonna be with Nyla Rose. Nyla's gonna to have to drop the title first, but maybe she could come out and just play arrogant prick and cost Chris Statlander and you could set up something with Britt Baker and Chris Statlander. I don't know that that's what they're gonna I don't know what they're gonna do there. I'm I'm a little I'm a little confused as to the point there. And then you go to Moxley and Jericho, which, boy, that's been built well. And Moxley has never, ever appeared like a bigger star than he is right now. Like, you have to imagine, I don't know if Vince even watches AEW, but there are people inside WWE that are watching this like, oh, my gosh, how do we let this guy get out the door?
0: It's amazing to me. Uh, AEW premiered a podcast last week uh, that's hosted by Tony Schiavone yeah. and somebody else. Uh, but the first guest was John Moxley, and one of the one of the headlines coming out of that episode was John Moxley basically saying that he half expected the AEW audience to give him a lukewarm reception because when he debuted, because of how much garbage he was featured in in WWE, which. Yeah, he was featured in a lot of garbage, but I feel like at least the the sort of hardcores that make up a pretty large amount of AEW's fan base knows exactly how talented that dude was from the very beginning. And like everyone understood that it wasn't a Dean Ambrose problem because of how Dean Ambrose was presented on television. It was a WWE problem.
1: But if you're watching this, I mean, what a superstar... He is. He's got absolutely every tool. Everything is working. When he's going to Japan, he's having world beaters with Minoru Suzuki. He's probably never been happier in terms of what he's doing. I'm sure him and Jericho are having a ball, just having a blast working together in an environment where they can be super creative. Now we get to who wins this. I mean, the title is established that it matters now. If you're going, all right, here's what I say. If Cody is going to lose, then Moxley probably needs to win. If Cody is going to win, then Jericho can keep the title. Just because if you
0: have that feel good moment with Cody winning, you feel like you're comfortable enough to let Jericho keep holding the title? Is that what you mean here? I
1: just don't think you can have both of those top babyface singles performers do jobs on the on the same night because i think that it just kind of sends the crowd out in sort of a with their heads down a little bit just because of the way that they have told this story now i know there's shades of gray and people are singing judas when jericho comes out because the song's very catchy and people have gone out and figured out the lyrics and everything and you can see it, it it's, it's something that kind of touches jericho like he loves it mm-hmm. uh he tries to fight it off but he loves it um I don't know that you take the title off of Jericho, but he's held it for a while. And I don't think Moxley's going to bring the title down. The only thing is you no. can't let a babyface hold it for very long. But Jon Moxley right now is by far the closest thing to Steve Austin we've seen in a long time in pro wrestling. He's going through Jeff Cobb. He's going through everybody in the inner circle. He's being attacked in very vicious ways. There's a heel on the flip side that's super over that can cut promos. If Moxley were to come out of here with the championship, I don't think that would be a bad decision.
0: It wouldn't be a bad decision at all. Like I feel like that's sort of the logical step if if, you know, if Jericho when this company launched was the biggest star in the company and he was like the person if it's not going to be Cody Rhodes, the person to sort of pass the championship off to would be John Moxley unless
1: they're going to do Kenny Omega later. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, the other thing.
1: I mean, he's tied up now. Like, if if Adam Page turns and they're going to do a program there, eventually you assume that's what they're going to do. But ultimately, I know they wanted the title on Kitty Omega. I don't know if they if that was a year plan or things have changed and maybe they have. But the three guys that you would look at and say, okay, these guys could take the title off of Jericho, are Moxley and Cody, and Kenny Omega. Those are the three made guys. Those are the three guys that that you could conceivably see there. Now, in the future, you might be able to add a Darby Allin or a Jungle Boy or somebody like that, but those are still works in progress where they're better off being high up on the mid-card, having solid matches, getting more under their belt, getting more seasoned, getting more time, becoming bigger stars, and being more familiar without having the that top spot you can have them every once in a while get associated with the inner circle and then you can move them on to other things where you can put them over but if you don't put it on moxley then you're planning for kenny omega unless you do something real dastardly and set up another match with moxley and jericho for chicago or for vegas i should say
0: i feel like omega at this point the way he's been handled since the launch of this company I feel like there would need to be just a little bit of building there. Like I, I don't think that Kenny Omega could necessarily beat Chris Jericho for the championship tomorrow, and without that championship taking a bit of a dip.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think this would happen. Like I think this would happen towards the end of the year. But I think it would mean if you're going to beat Moxley, then you have that plan for down the road, and you have a couple of more successful title defenses for Jericho before you, and as you continue to craft. Kenny Omega into the guy that you want him to be
0: yeah but at the same time you know if Kenny Omega is not taking the championship until later in the year do you want Chris Jericho basically holding the championship for an entire year maybe you do like I I do think you know Chris Jericho is, is brilliant enough to make that work without it becoming stale or boring at the same time I I think if I had to place a bet and I'm not a betting man at all I would probably bet that Moxley wins on Saturday. I'm not sure if, like, I think that would be fine. I'm not sure if that's what I would do. Like, I I think Jericho, there's still a lot of juice left in that orange uh, in
1: this title reign. All right, so if you keep it on Jericho, what do you do with Moxley after the match? What happens to Moxley if he loses here with the way that he's been built? Like, you have strapped the rocket to the guy, and he's performed not just admirably, but off the charts. Great. All these segments with him and Jericho have been money. Everything with the inner circle with Santana, with Ortiz, uh, the eye for an ideal, the same G match. Everything has been really, really good for Boxley. So he loses this match to Jericho. Then what? That's, it would almost that's have
0: thing. to be, it would almost have to be, he got cost of the championship, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's by a debut or something else. Um, I think a guy like, uh, we were talking about people that AEW has maybe dropped a ball on. And I talked about the Lucha bros. I think pack might also be in that yeah. conversation. Yeah. Cause I think pack is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. I agree. Uh, I could see if Moxley wins on Saturday, uh, quite frankly, I would like to see a pack Moxley uh, title feud and maybe pack winning. And that's how you get Kenny Omega uh, the championship by the end of the year, something like that. We've already we've seen already Pack ass-
1: and Moxley once, and it was very good. And it went like, what was it? A draw? Is that how they ended that?
0: Well, our, we're getting a, we're getting a thirty-minute ironman Man. Yeah, we're getting Pack and Omega
1: tomorrow. I'm talking about Pack and Moxley. Oh, uh,
0: Pack and Moxley.
1: My bad. My bad.
0: We have seen it before. Yeah, we've we've seen it once, and it was it was pretty good.
1: Yeah. It, no, it was very good, and and it would certainly be good. And you're right about Pack and. Uh, kind of would stand a reason that Pac would win the Ironman match tomorrow because he's a singles competitor, and Omega right now is involved in a feud that's going to lead him eventually to Adam Page, but maybe he's going to tie. I, I, I'm very interested to see how they book that tag match on Saturday. I don't know what they're going to do with Adam Page now. I would have had a very clear answer for you eight weeks ago, but I no longer do, and that's credit to AEW. They've actually created some degree of uncertainty in multiple matches that I sort of care about to very much care about for this event that I have no problem shelling out actual, like, legit, decent amount of money to see. And they have done a very good job in making me somebody that's really not nitpicking much of anything. I'm just kind of digging it right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we might have covered it all now. I'm, try, I'm trying to think if there's anything we missed. XFL, it's still on.
0: I'm enjoying the XFL. I gotta say, I have I have stayed pretty loyal to the product. I have watched uh, a portion of a game all three weekends so far. I will say that the Tampa Bay and the New York teams are unwatchable trash. So if they're on television. Like, I don't need to see Aaron Murray playing quarterback in 2020, and I certainly don't need to see Matt McGloin uh, playing quarterback in 2020 and yelling at his coaches on the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of the league outside of those two trash teams have been pretty entertaining.
1: And anything that takes Vince's uh, eyes off of Raw a little bit and lets Heyman work a little bit more on Raw is probably going to be better on Mondays, to say the least. There's also that question out there, I heard this asked, <laughs> What happens if these guys go over to Saudi Arabia and everybody gets quarantined because of the coronavirus?
0: Well, they're not sending that many people they are not It is pretty much a skeleton crew based off getting tracked or trapped in Saudi Arabia for more than a day the last time uh, which basically kicked off the NXT invasion angle because. Only NXT could work SmackDown the next night. Right, Uh, They're basically not sending anybody over there. It's basically a skeleton crew. And also, Rusev has pulled out of Saudi Arabia and will not be in that gauntlet match or whatever the crap they're doing.
1: That match, what in the world even is that? When you look at some of the (sighs) talent that's in that match, it's just like, my goodness. This is just yet another one of these Saudi shows. I think we may get a couple title changes here just because they want to set up some new stuff for Mania but i haven't watched one since the greatest royal rumble and that's not going to change
0: yeah i also just don't have the time anymore to watch a saudi arabia show at like 12 p.m. on a thursday exactly like like take away all of the politics sort of, and everything else the politics behind it and the the moral high ground that we like to claim by not watching wwe take blood money uh, it's also just highly inconvenient.
1: Extremely, like, unbelievably inconvenient. That is exactly right. All right. Now I do think we've covered it all. So, Saturday uh, for Revolution, I still don't know for sure. I know you're going to be out, but my plan is to be there for a hangout that night and to, you know, live chat during that show before I then go into the studio to do my Fox show. Um, on sunday morning but i'm excited about revolution like this one i have no problem planning to sit down and, and talk about and and we'll try to get back on the on this show in the next couple of weeks certainly and recap it and see what they do but they've got a go home show tomorrow their their numbers have stabilized i expect they're going to have another very good product tomorrow night on tv and I think revolution revolution definitely has me much more invested in what they're doing than full gear. They've done a good job at growth there were some some real flaws I saw in the first couple of months, and they have addressed a good many of them, and they've done it with a quickness and um <clears throat> revolution ought to do well. I'm very curious to see how it is in terms of. Buy rate and all those good numbers and all that kind of stuff. But I can't imagine a lot of people not being interested in watching that show if they've been watching the TV.
0: It's amazing the things you can accomplish, the entertaining television that you can put on by simply listening to your audience.
1: Astonishing. And We listened to our audience, and they said they wanted to hear this show again. So here is a new edition. We just went a little bit over 90 minutes, covered everything that we could think of to cover right now. Hopefully it won't be quite as much of a delay maybe we can try to set something up for at least two weeks or at most two weeks out maybe we can even do something next week but we again we appreciate you guys wanting us to do this and um we'll continue to do it so there you go AEW, nxt raw smackdown uh possible espn plus xfl i don't know what else you could possibly want from us but that's all i got my voice (laughs) is shot and i'm still fighting off a cold so we'll talk at you soon